This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Michigan's Irish Hills have been a summertime destination for race fans. The hills are home to Michigan International Speedway, NASCAR's fastest track, where drivers reach speeds of more than 200 miles per hour. Last time out at MIS, Kyle Larson scored an emotional first cup win. Does he have more Michigan magic in store this weekend? Hey, everybody, Carolyn Mano, Parker Kligerman with you here. Steve Letard joining us from Burns Garage. Steve, we, ha- Steve, we have seen multiple first-time cup winners this year. Uh, last weekend, most notably with Ryan Blaney. Can we see another one at Michigan? Well, Carolyn, I don't know if we'll have a first-time career cup winner, but I do think we could have a first-time winner this season. The list is growing of great veteran drivers who have yet to reach victory lane. You think of Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick. Those two have led the most laps of anybody all year long, but still have yet to go to victory lane. Both of those cars I expect to be fast this weekend at Michigan. Good point, but I think we could see a first-time winner because you've got some guys like Eric Jones coming off a great run at Pocono. It's a home track for him. He could definitely be a contender, but most of all for Michigan and me, speed. Over 200 miles an hour, approaching 210 miles an hour as they go into turn one. It will be the fastest qualifying lap we see all year. All right, then are you up to the task of getting in the simulator I'm in a, little a little shaky. Bit? And I'll be shakier after, but I'm ready. (laughs) All right, we're going to put Parker in the sim in just a little bit to show you just exactly what it takes to win at Michigan. Twelve races left in the Cup Series regular season. Starting with this weekend's race, six drivers who are currently winless this season have won at Michigan in the past. And among that group, you can see Dale Earnhardt Jr. with two Michigan wins, both of which ended long stretches away from victory lane. Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jamie McMurray dueling for the lead. The question is, has Dale Earnhardt Jr. got enough tiger in the tank to get him home? Trouble up to turn number four. One car around it. Sam Hornish Jr. And a green-white checkered finish to determine the winner. Dale Earnhardt Jr. streaks up the back straightaway. The crowd at Michigan going absolutely crazy. We have caution. Two cars break loose at the start-finish line. The number was 76. That's how long it's been since Dale Earnhardt Jr. has been to victory lane. Forget about it. He's headed there at Michigan. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Way down, Junior. Chris Jr. trying to erase a four-year drought here this afternoon at Michigan, where his last win came 143 races ago. There is an air of nervousness and an air of excitement down here at Dale Jr.'s pit area. They are going crazy in Michigan as Jr. is looking for the checker flag. Finally, all will be right in the world. Dale Earnhardt Jr. snaps that dry spell winning today in Michigan. Yeah, a lot of close calls, a lot of seconds. Couldn't find the win one. To do it for my fans, they stuck behind me for all these years and know exactly uh, what they've been thinking about and how long they've been wanting us to get to Big Lane. And so this was for them. I appreciate their loyalty and their support. And we, we wouldn't have made it back to Big Lane without it. 
Our Steve Latart remembers that well. Just a quick look at the numbers here for you. So Junior's 2008 Michigan win ended a 76-race winless streak, but an even longer drought coming right after. 143 races before taking another checkered flag at Michigan in 2012. Junior currently winless in his last 33 starts. So, Steve, we really haven't gotten a chance to hear from you on Junior's most recent struggles here. What do you think needs to change to get that win maybe this weekend? Well, Carolyn, this is going to seem silly, but I think the mechanical issue, uh, the mischift or the poor shifting that blew up the engine at Pocono is exactly what the 88 might need because, in my mind, the pressure's off for the 88. I think if they look at their situation in the points, 133 out of a playoff spot and think they're going to points their way in over the next 12 races with the current speed of the 88 car, I think they're mistaken. I think that is absolutely the wrong strategy. I think the 88 has to look at victory lane and only victory lane as their best bet to get to the playoffs. And that, taking the pressure off of running fifth or running eighth, might be just what Greg Ives and Dale Jr. need to kind of relax, to kind of shake it all off. I think that's what you see in both of those Michigan wins in the past. The streaks were so long that the pressure of winning was almost gone. It was almost something, you know, rhetorical. People just kept asking, when are you going to win? When are you going to win? Finally, they broke through. He's proved he could do it at Michigan before. That's what we're going to have to see again is a win from Dale Jr. And I think, Parker, this low downforce package, we talk about Michigan and how fast it is. Well, that low downforce package might be just what they need for the track to widen out. And in both of those highlight reels, you saw that 88 running up the racetrack closer to the wall, a place he's very comfortable. Steve, I agree with you on that with Dale Jr. being able to run there and seem to find a way. He likes this racetrack, but I disagree with you on the fact that he has to win to get to the playoffs. And I just want to kind of play devil's advocate a little bit and say if he were to try to get in the playoffs off of points, is it possible? Well, yes, it's possible. You mentioned him being 133 points out of the playoffs. But with stage points, there's now 60 points per race up for grabs. And that means all he needs at 133 out is 11 points per race on Joe Logano, who's the driver right now on the bubble points-wise, for him to get in there. I think that's possible and it's doable because you have all those stage points up for grab. Yes, it's one thing to say, okay, that might be more than two races, but when you look at how these races go in the course of the 12 races that are left, it's possible to get those 11 points per race and get himself in the playoffs that way and not have to change the mentality of saying, you know what, let's just go for broke and try for wins. It's possible to get it done. Steve? Well, I think the problem is I don't see 12 left, 12 races left on the schedule where Dale Jr. can gain 11 points a race. I think when you go to Sonoma, 11 points a race is a tall order. Go to Watkins Glen, it's a tall order. Going back to Pocono, I have fear that this 88 is going to have the same mechanical issue he's had twice just this last weekend. So the problem I have isn't just the points the 88 have to make up, but it's first the speed that they've lacked really all year long, and then second, the schedule that leads up from now until Richmond, even though Daytona's on the horizon, a track that I expect him to run well at, a place he should be looking for a victory. We all know how unpredictable restrictor plate racing could be. I just think get a win and shoot for the stars. Try to get a win. That's their best angle. All right, so I was simply playing devil's advocate, and you poked a couple holes in my argument right there. The, the speed <laughs> problem. I just want to make it clear that with the stage points that now are up for offer, it is possible. But, yes, I have to agree. In the speed department, this team is not showing the ability to go out there and win stages consistently and be up the front that's going to garner them all those points they need to get those 11 points per races. But you mentioned Sonoma, and I think back to when he ran pretty well there. He's had a couple good finishes. So maybe he can have that streak of uh, sudden good at the Sonoma race 
racetrack, have some of those good races, and maybe turn around the speed So this issue. former crew chief says one thing, and all of a sudden you just gave I up on to, your entire argument? I had to give up my argument because he made such good points. Steve, let me ask you about one other thing that you brought up. You mentioned the pressure and these streaks, these previous streaks being so long that the pressure was essentially taken off. You would think that the opposite is the case right now, this being his final shot at Daytona, his very last go-around here. Is there any way that there's any less pressure in this particular scenario? How are they different? Well, I don't think that the pressure really is, is lessening. I think it's going to be up to this team and Dale Jr. to make it fun. And, and I know it's professional sports. It's not supposed to be fun. It's their job. It's their careers. But he performs the best when he's enjoying himself. And the Dale Jr. I saw on Sunday get out and perform an interview after blowing up the engine is not someone who looked like he was having fun. He looked embarrassed. He looked disappointed in his mistake inside the car. He was adamant that there was nothing wrong with the car. He squarely took the blame on his shoulders, as any professional should. But the simple fact is it's a question of enjoyment and pressure. I don't think that they can reduce the pressure because you're right. The, the number is limited. There's only so many races left, but I think that's what they have to do. They somehow have to start taking some of these obstacles in front of them and reducing them or eliminating them. If they put them all up, if they say, we don't have the speed, we don't have the points, we must win a race, eventually that's going to crush any human. I think at some point you have to go, you know what? There's only this many races left. Let's just go out and have fun. Let's enjoy it. And you heard him in his interview talk about his fans. Let's give Dale Jr. fans something to cheer for in these last 24 races of his career. Well, his teammate Chase Elliott has raced at Michigan twice in the Cup Series so far in his career. Both times he finished in second place, and he was denied both times by the final restart. Can't do dumb stuff and expect to win. I did dumb stuff today, so can't expect to win. I definitely messed one up for him today. Green flag, it's in the air, trying to get away. Chase Elliott with a problem coming up to speed. They'll go three wide for second. Keep digging, Troy Moore got loose. I saw what happened to you there. I'll rethink that. Oh, yeah, just putting it in the correct gear would be a good start. All right, buddy, we're going to cut you loose here hard as you go. Get all you can get. The final seven laps this afternoon, if we make it that far under the green, again, Joey jumps away. You're clear everywhere. 24 is going to push now. You're clear. You're good by run. You're good. <laughs> well, um, I think we had a fantastic opportunity today, and I think I messed one up. Just a, a bummer again here. I hate to I hate to let my guys down. It's the biggest thing. Unfortunately, I uh, didn't do my part again. So. All right, but that's a better thing. Just hit your mark. You hit your restart. Check it. This thing. Uh, there you go. Team press. Let's go get it. Green flag back in the air. Kyle Larson clears the 24 before they get to turn one. Start off really nice. Then get a little snug as I'm catching him. People are trying to bail me out here. Just need to rethink. You know, retry to redo my restart. It's a little better. That's obviously not a not a strong point, uh, at least here at Michigan. So three of the top four have never won in the Sprint Cup Series. That could all change. Green flag back in the air. Green flag, green flag. Green. Shoving you. He's getting shoved to. Straddling to. Spitting up a little easy now. Easy. Easy. Go middle, go middle. Everyone goes charging off to turn one. A tough restart for both of them. Kyle Larson out in front. Frustrated? Are you disappointed? I mean, what, how do you kind of move on from something like this? Yeah, all of the above, for sure. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. Um, if I if I wasn't, that would say that mean that meant I didn't care. It's uh, one of those things where you you do or you don't, and I didn't. <laughs> how do you get better? at restarts if this is clearly something that he needs to work on? Well, it's incredibly tough because a restart is something that you don't encounter 
unless you come to an actual restart, and especially at the front of the field. You do that so few and far between at the cup level, as especially as a young driver coming into series, that you don't get these opportunities like he had to be at the front of the field and make mistakes and then try to make up for them. You don't get many opportunities to make up for those mistakes. And the thing about restarts is you can't go and practice this by yourself because it's not about what you are doing solely inside the race car. It's how you're reacting to the other cars around you. It's what the other cars are doing as you come up and you're in second place. You are reacting to the leader and what he does. It's a lot like a batter at the plate who reads the uh, the pitcher and how he reads how he's going to throw the ball before the ball ever even is thrown. He knows what's kind of happening. You need to do the same thing to what the guy is doing beside you. You need to know what he's going to do before he hits the accelerator. You need to be reading his mind in some respects. And you can only do those things when you're having restarts. And that's why it's so tough to get better at them. And it's also a bit of a mental game. It's it's tough for a driver, especially when you've had a couple high-profile instances where you've done a bad job of it, like Chase last year, to get away from that, to then come to a restart and not have that creep in your mind and not have that kind of come into your psyche. Because the second you start thinking about all the things you've done wrong, that's when you've lost the restart. It has to be instinctive. It has to come naturally to have good restarts. Parker, I think all of those points you made really come down to one simple thing, and you hit on it. It's experience. When you look at Chase Elliott getting beat on those restarts, he was getting beat by veterans, by drivers that have started on the front two rows multiple times. They've probably had more restarts in the front row than Chase Elliott has run races. I mean, just a few weeks ago, we saw Kyle Larson and Jimmy Johnson restart on the front row at Dover, and Jimmy Johnson took it to Kyle Larson purely from his experience. He knew what to expect. I think that last point you made is the one that Chase Elliott has to get over the biggest the biggest hurdle will be remembering those restarts, remembering those two races. I think this year we talked about the pressure with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Well, Chase Elliott had to be on everyone's list as one of the first-time winners. Yet we've seen Ryan Blaney go to victory lane. We've seen Kyle Larson go to victory lane. We've seen Ricky Stenhouse go to victory lane. Austin Dillon has gone to victory lane. As the list grows of winners this year, of cars that have only won now their first race, or in Kyle Larson's case, his second that list is putting pressure solely back on Chase Elliott. Everyone expected him to victory lane, probably even himself, although he would probably never say it. So as that list is filling up, the pressure has to be mounting for this young man. And Steve, add on that he has a seven-time champion teammate in Jimmy Johnson who now has three wins. He has all the opportunities in the world to see exactly what that 48 car is doing. And we saw that after Dover when he saw the 48 won. He said, hey, look, I see everything he has. I just have to go out there and use it accordingly. And that becomes another drag in, in your psyche. It can really be detrimental to performance when you start to see these mounting pressures of these young drivers winning, of your teammate being more successful no matter how successful your teammate is in having a seven-time champion the problem is is if it's your teammate you should be learning from him you should be able to gather that data those info the things that makes him so good and apply that because that's what you want to do to become the best race charter race car driver you can be and eventually go up there and beat jimmy johnson <laughs> at times but it's that sort of mental process you have to go through and that's what's been so tough for chase and i think for many of us observing from the outside, I think at times he's sometimes a little too hard on himself. And I, I want to see him remember at times there is positives, though. If, if you want to get some positive stats, he has two stage wins this year. Jimmy Johnson, none. 
That's a positive, right? He's a young guy in the Cup Series. He's in the 24 car. These are all positives. He's getting to learn from a seven-time champ. Sometimes it's how you turn the mental aspect of it, how you view what's happening, and that can help you perform better. Shape-shifting, if yes, you will. Yes, a little bit. Let's shape-shift. All right, uh, here is still what we have coming up on the show. Busy day for you. Um, we've got Michigan's own Eric Jones making his Cup debut at his home track after a career-best showing at Pocono. Can he contend this weekend? And as I mentioned earlier, Parker going to jump in the sim show us just how high the speeds can really get around NASCAR's fastest track. And Michigan has been the setting for some really thrilling finishes, which made the cut in our top five. All of that and more on the way next. Our throwback Thursday moment takes us back to 1999 and the IROC race at Michigan. On the final lap here, Dale Earnhardt Jr. gets a run on his father, and it looks like he's going to win, but then Sr. makes some contact with Jr., side-drafting off his son's car to win by just mere inches, and they did not call him the Intimidator for nothing. Nobody was safe on the track. As we focus on this season now, though, Parker and Steve have a little bit more on why even drivers that have a very comfy cushion in the points should not feel playoff safe at this time. Parker. Right, Carolyn. So right now, we have the current Cup Series standings and the playoff picture, and you see the drivers in yellow have wins, but the drivers without are not in yellow, do not have wins. They're trying to make it in on points. But what's really muddying the waters here is these drivers we don't typically see winning races outside the top 10 in points. You've got Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Ryan Newman, Austin Dillon all the way back in 20th, which is putting the pressure on guys like Matt Kenseth, who's 13th in points. Joe Logano, who's 11th in points, he has a win, but it was an encumbered win. And Steve, this is really something that no one's experienced before with all these winners that we're seeing outside the top 10 in points. Yeah, it's become a, a totally different landscape. You know, in years past, I would say it was pretty safe that if you were in the top 12 in points, win or no win, you were almost guaranteed to be in the playoffs. That was every team's goal. But you mentioned those teams on the outside, Stenhouse, Newman, Bush, Dillon. Those wins have shifted that number up completely. So as you look farther into this and you look at the teams with only points, it's going to take a car probably in the top 10, if not the top 8 in points to make it. Because remember, we still have races left. We still have 12 races left before the playoffs are set. And there's Daytona, there's the road course. There's still a variety of races that we're going to go to, Parker. Great point. And so let's illustrate that a little bit more by removing all these winners here on the screen. And we're going to just show you drivers trying to make it in on points. This is right now all your points drivers within the top 20. And you start to see this picture a little bit clearer right now. You've got Joe Logano in the bubble, Clint Boyer plus 10, Denny Hamlin plus 27. And then you got Matt Kenseth just right outside making it. And Eric Jones back in 17th, 40 out. This is very tight. But it's a winner once again outside these guys that could really turn this upside down. And, Steve, I know one you've had your eye on is that 14 car of Clint Boyer. Yeah, Clint Boyer. I expected this 14 car to somewhat be in the honeymoon period early. Every time we see a driver go to a new team, everything seems to be okay. It was that way early. They hit a few rough patches, but I think Clint Boyer remembers last year. He remembered the struggles. He remembers being in a car that couldn't compete for wins, and he is ready to get back to victory lane. 
The four car has yet to get there, but they have had winning speed. The 41 won the Daytona 500 therein. I think that allows SHR and Stuart Haas Racing to really focus on Clint Boyer. If you take someone like him, move him into the win column, it gets to be a very uphill battle. Can you remember, Denny Hamlin, someone right there, easily in the top 15 of points. Can you imagine with the year he's had to not make the playoffs? Well, I was just going to go into Denny Hamlin because you look at him. If Clint is able to get that win, Denny is a car that I feel like with Joga's racing speed in the our struggles in the speed department, he has been the hardest hit. And we really see it when he's in traffic. He's been really struggling to pass other cars in traffic. But that's really worrying because he spends most of his time in traffic. A guy who's ninth in points you would think would be a lock to make the playoffs. But like, like you said, if Clint Boyer is able to get that win, that really puts him in a tough position when he's not showing the speed able to win right now. I mean, I just can't imagine being in that pressure pack situation, Steve. Yeah, and I think the best screen, if you look at it, is the one of the drivers outside the top 20 because normally you think of drivers outside the top 20, they don't have a chance to win a race, and I don't think it's that case this year. We have that, and it's Dale Earnhardt Jr., Casey Kane. We have some road course veterans on there, and A.J. Allmendinger. So when you come through the summer, even though we've had some surprise winners with Stenhouse at Talladega, I'm not sure we're done. Ty Dillon, that 13 car. Maybe you don't think of the 13 car as a winner. Well, we've already seen Richard Childress racing win two fuel mileage races. Maybe just this weekend at Michigan, it'll turn into a fuel mileage race. That 13 and Ty Dillon, if he goes to victory lane, or Paul Menard, his teammate, it is going to flip this completely upside down. It just proves, Parker. Points racing is popular, and it's fun to talk about, but the only teams that feel good about the playoffs are the teams that have won a race. It's a great point because we're starting to see for the first time, I think, in this playoff format where we could potentially see wins be across the whole board. Wins get you into the playoffs. And when you look at these guys, like A.J. Allmendinger, as you mentioned, who could win again at Watkins Glen. He could win Sonoma. Michael McDowell has been running a little bit better than him. He's also a road course ringer. He could get one of those wins. You've got Chris Buescher, who obviously won at Pocono with a little help of Fog, but he's in a better ride this year. He could find a way to get that win. He also has those ECR motors, like you saw at Ty Dillon. You've got Darren Hart Jr., who you talked about, could be a lock to maybe go out and get that Daytona win. Paul Menard, who's won it Indy. I mean, this is really taking that playoff grid and thinking, okay, if you get one of these winners, now there's serious pressure on a guy like Matt Kenseth and especially Eric Jones. Carolyn, I think we're doing pretty good with our pencil because a segment ago, we had the 88 getting in on points <laughs> is where Parker had him. But a segment later, we have 16 total winners. So I think Parker's oh starting to gosh. see my side of the fence that you're going to have to win. All of these crew chiefs, I pick on the 88, I pick on Parker, but the truth is all of these crew chiefs, I don't care if you're Kevin Harvick and the four car even where they're in points. Every single crew chief has a little panic in the back of their mind. What happens if we hit a bad luck streak? What happens with a couple flat tires or a broken engine? The only guarantee is to win a race, and there are only 12 left to win before the playoffs. That's it. I'm waving the white flag, Steve. Your argument wins. <laughs> Gerhardt Jr. has to win. Carolyn, take it away from here. <laughs> All right. That's the last time anybody poses the hypothetical to Steve Latart. Let that be a lesson to you. All right. Parker is going to move, as you, as you see right there, from the touchscreen over into the NBCSN iRacing Simulator. He's going to show us how the drivers will add to their points total this weekend on the track when we come back. Welcome back, everybody. A win at Michigan is a big deal for the sports manufacturers in addition to the teams. And after their success last weekend at Pocono, Ford, no doubt, working hard to get a win this weekend at its home track. 
Racing is in the Blue Oval's DNA. In fact, if it wasn't for one race in 1901 that's pictured right here, Ford Motor Company may not have ever been. Last year at Michigan, Kelly Savis went back in time, sort of, with Brad Kozlowski to recreate history and give us a better understanding of how Ford came to be. here in the Irish Hills of Michigan. Oh, Mr. Kozlowski, can I trouble you for a ride? Absolutely, my lady. I'd be more than obliged to give you a ride in my 1901 Ford sweepstakes car. Thank you. Kelly, this is a really, really important car. Henry Ford took this car to a racetrack here in Michigan. Detroit won the race and used the funds to start the Ford Motor Company. Well, jump on in. Let's go. Let's go. Get through right here. And he knew how to get in a little better than I did. Ah, there we go. Ah. That thing right there will get you. So Henry had an onboard mechanic. So it wasn't Paul Wolf back in the pits. This was very, very early technology. So just to keep the car running was a major accomplishment. In fact, that was one of the ways that Henry Ford won. <laughs> Let's go. This is the first time this car has been on this racetrack. This is its natural environment, a racetrack. Natural environment, racetrack, Michigan International Speedway. What's its top speed? This car will go 70 mile an hour. You want to find wow. 70 mile an hour? Well, I don't think I want to. How about we get it up to 50? What do you think? Okay. All right, let's go. Imagine racing one of these things. No seatbelt. I don't know how they did it. Gotta get my hat secure in here because I'm about to lose it. How tough is this drive? You need about four hands to do it right. I can understand exactly why he needed a mechanic, Kelly. Right. What do you think it'd be like having Paul Wolf strapped alongside, holding on for dear life? You know, it'd be really easy to get rid of him. <laughs> we got to pull this baby into victory lane. Wow, what an amazing experience. Amazing car with an amazing story. Okay. Without this car, so much of our world would be different. I love history. I love motorsports. This car is both. Mr. Kozlowski, that was truly an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for the ride. They might not have said cool back in 1901, but that was cool. That was cool. <laughs> Times have certainly changed just a little bit since Ford's beginnings. The cars this weekend are going to be quite a bit faster. Parker in the NBCSN iRacing Simulator now. All right, Parker, where are we starting? Well, we're going to start from a restart here. I'm trying to join up with the pack. And the reason I want to start a restart, because of our buddy there, Chase Elliott, who struggled on the restarts, but he also showed how tough these restarts can be at Michigan because there's such a large amount of time from the restart to when you get into turn one. You carry such a huge amount of speed that these restarts can be pretty crazy. You can end up three and four wide down to one, but then you're going to want to get pretty much single file side by side because there is not a lot of grip offline. So as we get going here on the restart, you can see that your turn one is way down the ways, and that is what makes you so tough. You can get side drafting down to turn one happening more so than you do any other place. And Steve, that's something that's tough because as a crew chief, you want to make this car good on the long run, but you've got to have it good on the restarts because you lose or gain so much at this racetrack. Well, that's what happens, Parker, is the easiest time, the best place to get positions is early in a run on the restarts. But unfortunately, that's the easiest time to lose them as well. And you talked about that long run into turn one. Well, that's not the only thing. Back here in three and four where you are now, the tires are still very low on air pressure. The car is still in very dirty air. You're trying to find a little bit of a clean air and a mistake there for this run down the front stretch, and you're going to lose multiple spots. And you mentioned that run down the front stretch. Well, as I approach turn one right now, I'm going to do... Almost 210 miles an hour before I have to get on the brakes. Hard to get down to speed. It's almost a 40 mile per hour difference between the speed you carry into the corner 
and the speed you will have at the end in the center of the corner. So it's a big difference. And Steve, that's one thing that's been a topic this year with that low downforce package is that these drivers are using the brakes more. And a place this big, you wouldn't think that's going to happen. But with that huge difference in speed from the straightaway to the corner, that is something that's going to happen. You are going to use more brakes and have to focus on the brake package you have in this race car. You are going to have to focus on the brakes, and what that opens is opportunity. That is the key, because a car has to drive good into the corner. It has to be secure, not get loose in under the brakes. You know, brakes do more than just slow the car down. They really affect the car's handling. What kind of brake pads you run, whether you run them symmetric from side to side or different brake pads from left to right, front to rear. There's a lot of things a crew chief can do to adjust the handling with brakes, but that only works if you're on the brakes, and this aero package has done that. Yeah, exactly. You can actually move. Some teams can move it between left and right, and that sort of thing and affect the handling. And you'll do that here because these cars can get very loose on that entry into turn three. And a lot of times since this repave, we've seen this racetrack has been very single group. You can't move around like you would hope to. And that kind of puts you in a box. And you know as a crew chief, you've won here since the repave. That's a tough thing. You've got to make this car handle in that line. Well, you have to make a handle in the line, and you know what you have to do, Parker, is you have to be correct on strategy. And now we're coming to Michigan the first time with the two stages added in. There'll be guaranteed breaks within the race at a track that, unlike Pocono, you'll lose a lap hitting under green at Michigan. So it's really about how often do you need tires? What kind of tire fall-off will there be? Because while you're stuck in traffic right here, you're losing time to the leader. He's out there in clean air, leaving you. And Carolyn, the one thing you don't want to do if you're going to be fighting for this win... Let's find yourself a little too hard in turn one. And, of course, in the wall. That's something you do not want to have happen <laughs> at Michigan. Absolutely not. Well, if home core advantage does exist, there are two Michigan natives uh, on Sunday's entry list. Brad Kislowski from Rochester Hills. Also, Eric Jones from Byron. But how much do those guys really know about their home state? Let's see how the former champ and the rookie fared in our Michigan State quiz. All right, how well do you think that you know your home state? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It depends out. on what you're going to ask, yeah. There's a Michigan quiz? Let's do it. Can you give me the real name of the Detroit rapper who wrote My Name Is? Marshall Mathers. It's Marshall Mathers. Who's from? Detroit. That's an easy <laughs> one. Who was the first NASCAR Premier Series person to win at Michigan International Speedway? Mmm. What year was it built? Do I, do I get that hint? I'll give you the, yeah, the answer, 1969. Ooh. I heard it was AJ Ford. I don't know. Benny Parsons, maybe? Was Yarborough. Was it? Was he racing? I didn't even think he was racing then. Okay, I wouldn't have got it, Kaylee Yarborough. Anyway, so you can just put it wrong. It's okay. On what holiday do the Detroit Lions play every year? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. It's easy. Who is the first NASCAR Premier Series champion from Michigan? Well... I feel like I'm going to need it wrong because I know the, like, the most recent one, but I don't know if that's the first one. Uh, is it? Is it Brad? Benny Parsons. I have, but you are. Pretty sure about this. So you're saying that Benny was born in North Carolina and then moved to Detroit? Wow. All right, well, call me wrong. Michigan claims him. Should we be nervous that your arms are now crossed? Yeah, you should. Because <laughs> I'm going to totally look this up. How many NBA championships did the Detroit Pistons have? Gosh. One of the eight, maybe four? Is it three? Three. Three, yeah. Okay. I knew impressive. it was three or four. I want to say three. Correct. I remember 04. I remember that one. They, that was a good team. 
Okay, born in Romeo, Michigan, who is Robert James Ritchie, better known as? Kid Rock. Correct. Oh, Bob Ritchie, Kid Rock? Yeah. Who doesn't know Bob Ritchie? You guys friends? No, I've never met, never met in my life. <laughs> What band, formed in 1997 in Detroit, wrote the song Seven Nation Army? Detroit? Ugh. Seven Nation Army? I never heard that song. Oh, the White Stripes. Correct. Uh, yeah, I don't know that one. White Stripes, yeah. White Stripes, yeah. I... But 97, you were, you were born. One. But you were one, yeah. If you went to Mackinac... Mackinac? It's Mackinac. Sorry. Jeez. <laughs> if you went to Mackinac Island, Michigan, what sweet treat would you eat? Fudge. Okay. It wasn't a name, it was just fudge. Oh, fudge is a treat? Fudge is an ingredient in a treat. We're having a lot of technicalities here. <laughs> Brad Kozlowski hates to lose, and Eric Jones is making us all feel extremely old. Uh, all right, from Michigan out west to Utah, my home tracks tour of all 50 states is next. Utah may not have a huge NASCAR tradition, but it is the place where one NASCAR Hall of Fame driver made history. We're going to tell you his story when we come back. Make sure you're there as another chapter in the Earnhardt legacy comes to a close. Dale Jr. taken to the track at the historic Daytona International Speedway one final time. That is Saturday, July 1st, only on NBC. And we are just 16 days until NBC Sports takes over the coverage of the NASCAR Cup Series. We hope you'll be with us then. Let's go back to July 2003. Greg Biffle driving the 16 car for Jack Roush. Going to victory lane for the first time in his Cup Series career, Biffle is one of eight first-time winners in the July race at Daytona. We've seen very exciting finishes at Daytona. We had one at Pocono this past weekend with Brian Blaney holding off Kevin Harvick. But for more on how to keep the lead late in the race, let's go back to Parker at the touchscreen. Parker. Right, Carolyn. So I'm really excited about this. And for the viewers out there, I think this is the first time you'll have ever seen this done on NASCAR television in this manner. What we're going to do is we're going to take you on board with Kevin Harvick here as we approach turn two at Pocono with two laps to go falling Ryan Blaney. So as we get going here into turn two, what I want to show you is we get down in the corner right there. As you look, as I get this here, well, maybe we'll go a little further. Hold on one second here. There. You see this S in the bush and how it lines up with the yellow line, how low that four car is below the yellow line. That's important. What he's doing there is he's exposing that left front headlight to clean air and therefore getting the downforce he needs to get a run on the 21. And Steve, this is where I want to bring you in because you know that in the last couple of years, this has become a big topic among drivers, getting air to that nose. Yeah, Parker, and, and it's just as important for the leader to block that air for the car behind you as it is for the guy in second to find that air. You know, as engineers get smarter, as teams get smarter, if we take cars to the wind tunnel, we learn not only what makes cars have the most downforce to create a lap time, but then we also start to educate drivers on which area of the car is most important to show the clean air. And at these oval tracks, anytime you're turning left, the number one area of the race car these drivers need to get out is that left front headlight, pin the left front nose of the race car, add grip to the left front corner, and get a good runoff. That's exactly right. And you mentioned the leader. Well, when you see Ryan Blaney doing there, he's a little bit higher. But... As he gets off the corner here, you're going to see Kevin Harvick is going to get a good run. Because he exposed that left front headlight, he gets a good run on Ryan. But as we go to the last lap, as we go here, we're going to go to this outside shot, the blimp shot. And we're going to show you what Ryan then responds with. As we get down the center of the corner, oh, we went a little too far. Here, hold on, we'll go back. Hold on, hold on. 
This is the technology we have here to do this. You see how low that 21 car is now, right there. He is below the line. Meanwhile, the four is not nearly as low on the corner. And therefore, as they get to the X of the corner, he is going to get tight. And this is the difference between Lane losing. He's not able to get that run. The 21 gets the gap he needs. And therefore, as we go back on board here with Harvick, we'll show you again. We showed you where the S was before. Now look where the S is. Right there. And the O line is down here. Therefore, and the 21 is all the way down the racetrack. He has blocked the air of the four car, and that has seemingly taken away the ability for the four car to turn, and now he is not able to get the run. And if we get going here, he's going to get very tight off the corner right here and is not able to get that run. And, Steve, the reason this is important, not only for Pocono, because this was a great example of it, but as we go to Michigan... We know that this will come into play because this is a place where drivers are going to really search to get air on that left front headlight, as we see here with Kyle Larson and Carl Edwards. Absolutely, Parker. And we talked earlier in the show about restarts and how those are experienced and young drivers have to learn restarts. Well, this is the next chapter. After you learn how to get the car up to speed with the lead, then you have to learn how to close out the races. And I think that's what made Ryan Blaney's win at Pocono so impressive, is he had probably a little less car than the four of Kevin Harvick, but he did everything right. Kevin Harvick was just hovering behind him like a veteran, waiting for the mistake that Ryan Blaney never made. When we go this weekend to Michigan, the corners are even longer. They're sweeping. They're high, high speed, as you said. So if you miss your mark on corner entry by six inches, by the middle of the corner, that can be two, three, four feet up the racetrack. Four feet. If you give a veteran driver behind you four feet worth of air, he's going to turn underneath you and pass you every time off the corner. Exactly. And Carolyn, that is the thing. It has become a game of inches nowadays between winning and losing the front of the Cup Series field. And certainly something that fans can watch for this weekend. Parker and Steve, thanks. Uh, Michigan International Speedway has had so many great moments. So we tried to narrow it down just to five of the very best. Big reveal next on NASCAR America. The Verizon IndyCar Series is right here on NBCSN. As the title race heating up, IndyCar going into the Wisconsin woods. It's the Kohler Grand Prix at Road America. That is Sunday, June 25th, right here. Mark your calendars. Uh, team Penske has announced that former IndyCar champion Sam Hornish Jr. is going to drive the team's number 22 Ford in select Xfinity Series races this season. Hornish slated to run both Iowa races and also on the road course at Mid-Ohio. So watch out for that as well. Here's your weekend schedule. The Cup and the Xfinity Series are in Michigan. The Truck Series heads to Gateway outside St. Louis. All three races you can find on FS1. And if you are heading to the track, remember that kids that are 12 and under are free at all NASCAR Xfinity and Truck Series races. So you can go to NASCAR.com slash kids ticks for more information on that. Uh, but everybody likes a free trip to the racetrack. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. How so cool. uh, time now for our top five moments at Michigan. We start with number five here. 2001, Ricky Rudd and Jeff Gordon battling for the win, coming to the white flag, and Gordon would make the winning pass, Steve. Yeah, 2001 was a great season for Jeff Gordon. Went on to be the champion, but what a great pass back by Ricky Rudd to get Rick Hendrick and Hendrick Motorsports its 100th Premier Series win in, the, in NASCAR. Number four here, 2009, Jimmy Johnson gambling on fuel twice, Parker, and coming up short both times. And it wouldn't happen there. Greg Biffle would take the lead, but then he would run out down the backstretch, and Mark Martin would take the lead and go on to win the race. But then we come here again, and now Jimmy Johnson's in the lead, and once again runs out of fuel. Brian Vickers 
would go on to win that race. And Jimmy Johnson would remark that he wasn't any good at fuel mileage races. You see Brian Vickers celebrating here for, for Red Bull. And there's Chad Knauss, distraught. <laughs> that is a guy that wants his driver to be better at fuel mileage races. Long day at the office. Number three, Steve Xfinity Series 2006. Dale Jr. turning Carl Edwards around the green-white checkered restart. Yeah, all the excitement can be in the Cup Series here. You said Dale Jr. got into Carl Edwards, spun around, and then Carl Edwards up the racetrack under yellow, makes contact with the eight, and look the concern. The left hand is out of the car for Dale Jr. Kind of got his attention, scared him a little bit, and then a little bit calmer conversation in victory lane of two, which now appearing young drivers. <laughs> Number two, Truck Series 2008. Eric Darnell beating Michigan native Johnny Benson by five one-thousandths of a second. One of the coolest finishes in Truck Series history. We line up what we love about Truck Series racing, and that is photo finishes like that with the draft they create. And here's number one, 1991. Dale Jarrett beating Davey Allison by eight inches to get his first career victory, Steve. And then Kyle Larson would do it 25 years later. Well, think about the careers of Dale Jarrett, a Hall of Famer, and now Kyle Larson. Getting your first win at Michigan is a good subscription to having a great career. Perhaps we'll see another one this weekend. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, with our last show before the weekend, who are you watching this weekend? you watching Kyle Larson, a couple of other drivers? What are you going to be paying attention to, Steve? Well, I think Kyle Larson's going to be fast. I expect Martin Truex in the 78 to be fast. But I got my eye on Kevin Harvick. I think the four car came up just a little bit short in Pocono. He had a little bit of concern with his brakes. Didn't really attack the 21 like I think he would like to. The closer he's been nicknamed because he always seems to be there at the end of these races. And I think it's starting to uh, you know, bother this race team a little bit that they've yet to go to victory lane. They got Roush Yates, Ford Power under the hood. I think that's a good, good mix to go to the big track up in Michigan. Oh, so you take my pick right there. That was my pick, Steve <laughs> Darn. But you know what? I'll, I'll just erase that one and move on to another driver who's coming off his first win at Pocono. That's Ryan Blaney in the 21 car. Whoa. I know we talked about it a lot this week, but think about this. When you look at those highlights from Michigan last year, there's a car that's consistently up at the front in those highlights. That's the 21 car. And now with a win under his belt, there's a lot of confidence that race team. He can go out there and pull off another win in two in a row and getting Wood Brothers their 100th win. If it's not him, I'm going for another young driver, Eric Jones, who finished third last weekend. He's been good at Michigan in the X-Fan Series. It's also his home track. I think he's one to watch as well. What about Team Penske, Steve? Uh, you look at Brad Keselowski's performance. He's had 15 starts there and a 12th place average finish. Um, what are his chances, do you think? Well, I think, you know, Brad wants to win in his home state. It's very simple. Everybody wants to go to their home state and perform. And Brad now lives in North Carolina, but he's proud to be from Michigan. He would like to get a win there. And I also have to look at Brad's teammate, though, Joey Logano. You know, he's the one with the asterisk still next to his name. He got that race win this year, but it became encumbered. We showed earlier about the points. He's kind of right there on the cusp. A bad summer could cause the 22 to perhaps miss the playoffs. So the best thing to do, get a, ra get a win and put that behind him. Their quasi-teammate, the 21, the Wood Brothers won last week, so I think both Penske cars will be strong on the two-mile track. That's a good point on the 22. I'll be watching him. But also pay attention to a team that we've been watching all season and was wondering what is going on, Joe Gibbs Racing, that, especially that 18 car. He was obviously the car to beat at Pocono. There was times in that race people thought he was playing with the field. He was so fast. I think they come in with a vengeance on that 18 car and the speed they've been showing. He's led the second most laps in the series this year. I could see Kyle Busch going up there and contending for the win. If not him, Matt Kenseth is your sleeper pick at Joe Gibbs. Whoa. Or Daniel Suarez. All Remember right, where he got throwing, his first win? Stop throwing out. I'm just I mean, place. See, we've gone through half the field at this point. I was going to say, Parker, you can't take everyone. <laughs> but I do agree. Field. You know what? That one the thing field. about What's Joe Gibbs. Well, the one thing about <laughs> Joe Gibbs is Toyota. 
remember, this is in Detroit. And, and while, you know, the country seems small because these teams fly back and forth across the country to race, when it's just down the street from the manufacturer headquarters, all the high-ups, all the CEOs, CFOs, they'll be there. The head people that make the decision whether they're in racing for these manufacturers will be at Michigan. The best way to entertain them, victory lane. Steve's had your number all day. Quick final thought or probably not? I'm taking the field. Yeah, okay. Okay. All right. Enough said. All right. That's all for NASCAR America. Enjoy the weekend. For all your NASCAR news, remember, you can always log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. We will be back again on Monday. Full recap of all the action from Michigan. Thanks so much for watching. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll see you next time. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.